My name's Sarah Frick, and you're listening to Are You For Real? A podcast all about being real. Like, really real, not just cute Instagram real. Like, real. Welcome back to Are You For Real with Sarah Frick. Today, I am sitting down with two amazing women, uh, Kate Counts and Tiffany Solari, and we are going to be talking about self-care in a different realm. So what generated this topic for me is, this is something I've actually been thinking about a lot. I, um, I'm in what I would consider a fitness self-care industry. And I think that this industry that I'm in and that a lot of us are in, Kate's in it as well, is it's this, you know, this billion dollar industry, I feel like that's kind of been made to, first of all, sell us something and to make us sometimes feel really bad about ourselves. And it's also, um, I don't know if the word shallow is what I'm looking for, but I think there's a lot more depth around the idea of self-care than baths, chocolate cake, glasses of champagne, facials. Though all those things may be well and good, that's not what we're, we're really looking for or talking about. And a friend sent me this description the other day that was sent to her, and I'm going to share this with you guys before we get rolling. It says, self-care is often a very unbeautiful thing. It is making a spreadsheet of your debt and enforcing a morning routine and cooking yourself healthy meals and no longer just running from your problems and calling the distraction a solution. It is often doing the ugliest thing that you have to do, like sweat through another workout or tell a toxic friend you don't want to see them anymore or get a second job so you can have a savings account or figure out a way to accept yourself so that you're not constantly exhausted from trying to be everything all the time and then needing to take deliberate mandated breaks from living to do basic things like drop some oil into a bath and read Marie Claire and turn your phone off for the day. A world in which self-care has to be such a trendy topic is a world that is sick. Self-care should not be something we resort to because we are so absolutely exhausted that we need some reprieve from our own relentless internal pressure. True self-care is not salt baths and chocolate cake. It is making the choice to build a life you don't need to regularly escape from. And that often takes doing the things you least want to do. It often means looking your failures and disappointments square in the eye and re-strategizing. It is not satiating your immediate desires. It is letting go. It is choosing new. It is disappointing some people. It is making sacrifices for others. It is living a way that other people won't, so maybe you can live in a way that other people can't. It is letting yourself be normal, regular, unexceptional. It is sometimes having a dirty kitchen and deciding your ultimate goal in life isn't going to be having abs and keeping up with your fake friends. It is deciding how much of your anxiety comes from not actualizing your latent potential and how much comes from the way you were being trained to think before you even knew it was happening. If you find yourself having to regularly indulge in consumer self-care, it's because you are disconnected from actual self-care, which has very little to do with treating yourself and a whole lot to do with parenting yourself and making choices for your long-term wellness. It is no longer using your hectic and unreasonable life as justification for self-sabotage in the form of liquor and procrastination. It is learning how to stop trying to quote-unquote fix yourself and start trying to take care of yourself. And maybe finding that taking loving, lovingly attends to a lot of problems you were trying to fix in the first place. It means being the hero of your own life, not the victim. It means rewiring what you have until your everyday life isn't something you need therapy to recover from. It is no longer choosing a life that looks good over a life that feels good. It is giving the hell up on some goals so you can care about others. It is being honest, even if that means you aren't universally liked. It is meeting your own needs so you aren't anxious and dependent on other people. 
It is becoming the person you know you want and are meant to be. Someone who knows that salt baths and chocolate cake are ways to enjoy life, not to escape it. So that was written by Brianna West. And I know that's, that's pretty lengthy, but I really, I really loved that and resonated with that. And as we start to dive into this, I was messaging or I put out on Instagram uh, yesterday just to some people, hey, you know, what do you guys think self-care is? And I got so many different things in from different angles of different people. And um, I started chatting with Lindsay, who's my producer about it. And she was like, I was like, let's bring everyone around the table. And she was like, chill. <laughs> I was like, let's have like 20 people here. And she's like, no, 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 no. So we're breaking it down in series, like I said. So the first part of this series, we're speaking to two women who have chosen sobriety as a way of life. And they are going to tell us a little bit about their stories. And they're going to tell us the way that they care for themselves, maybe now versus how they did. And we're just going to chat with them and see what comes up here. So the first person I'm going to introduce is Kate Counts. And she is a new, wonderful friend in my life. She is a teacher at the works and a teacher many different places, a teacher to the world, I would say. And um, take it away, Kate. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. Um, like Sarah said, my name is Kate Counts, and um, I'm 41 years old, and I have three kids um, that are 13, almost 12. They're Irish twins, almost pretty much 13 months apart, and a nine-year-old. And um, I guess where my story starts was I was born on the south side of Chicago um, in the city where you're basically born with a beer in your hand. <laughs> when you come out, it's like, here you go. And um, drinking and sobriety, I mean, drinking was always a part of my life growing up. Um, I'm a child of an alcoholic. My father struggled with alcoholism his whole life until eventually it took him, it killed him um, when he was 63 years old. And I just kind of went along in that journey with him and um, moved to Charleston in 96 into, into college and continued what I continued through high school, <laughs> just um, partying and having a good time. At that point, it was a good time. And and then I found myself 28 years old, um, married to an amazing man, and um, having my first child. And I felt really alone. I, alone. I didn't have many uh, friends that were having kids that early at that point. And so had my first son, Noah, and 13 months later had my daughter, Amelia. And at that point, I felt really lonely. Um, I felt alone. I was taking care of two babies. Plus, um, at that point, that's when fitness came into my life, which is kind of a crazy parallel to this story. Because I knew that motherhood was not my only identity. Um, I knew there was so much more inside me. Um, so I started to go to the gym and work out to kind of like explore that space. But at the same time at five o'clock, I was like, I deserve this glass of wine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've worked so hard and I was also cleaning homes and crazy enough cleaning office buildings in the night. And so I always would go to be like, if I just make it to five o'clock, I'm going to be okay. And I deserve this glass of wine. And... Eventually, that glass of wine turned into a bottle. Every, I mean, I don't think I've said this out loud to a lot of people, to every single 
night. Mm -hmm. I deserve this glass of wine to like, I deserve this bottle of wine. And um, then had my son two years later, Rowan, and I just continued on this path. Like the minute he was born, I went right back into it. But I was at that point teaching fitness pretty much almost full time. So I would be going into these rooms as this person that was like super healthy mm-hmm. and um, look at her, you know, I, I, at that point I, I did have abs and like biceps and like people would look at me and she's like, wow, she's got it all together. And I would still on that track of like, I got to make it to five o'clock. Mm-hmm. If I make it to five o'clock, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to pour this glass of wine, which I always turned into a bottle. And I'd wake up crazy enough and teach classes at 5.30 in the morning and just like be like, I'm good to go. Let's go. Let's do this. But then I would started to get super resentful because the people that would come to my classes would say, you're changing my life. Mm. The words that you're saying, the movement that you are bringing, and I actually started to get really jealous of the people that were taking my classes because inside... I wanted that so bad. And so I was coming home and just numbing um, and being like, I don't know who I am. I, yes, I'm a mother. I'm a, I'm a wife. I'm a yoga instructor, a fitness instructor. I'm a house cleaner. But whose cake counts? And that terrified me. I didn't know the answer. And so I just continued making it to five o'clock for, I mean, my son now, Rowan, is about to be nine years old. I mean, he's going to be 10 in April. And so almost nine years, I just would make it to five o'clock. And I felt like a fraud. I, I really did. And, um, and my, my husband is amazing. He never really... He never, he just always would just listen and he would look at me and say, ever since I've met you, you've always been searching. You've always been looking. And um, not too long ago, he said that to me and he goes, I know what you were looking for. And I said, what? And he said, you were looking for you. Mm. So I guess at my, my breaking point um, was last Christmas Eve. The holidays are... A really hard time for me because I go back to being a child and that was really, really tough. Um, my dad, you know, it was like, is dad going to make it through the holiday, you know, um, even to the point where is he in the bathtub, go check and make sure he's alive. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so last Christmas Eve, um, I got some news about my brother who also struggles with indic- addiction, hardcore, and it was around noon on Christmas Eve, and I was like, fuck this. Fuck five o'clock. Fuck five o'clock. <laughs> and I know like some people's other stories, everyone's story is different. They're like, yeah. oh, I drink in the morning. Mine was like, if you make it to five o'clock and you have it after five o'clock, you don't have a problem. Right. Mm-hmm. You're fine. Mm-hmm. You don't have a problem, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I um, said, noon, let's go. And by Christmas Eve night, um, I I don't even remember. And sorry. No, let it go, girl. I uh, actually, like, fell out of my van. I drive a burgundy Dodge Charade, if you know that. (laughs) 
Her name is Brenda, and um, <laughs> I fell out of my van and um, came into my house, and I'm in charge of all the Christmas shopping. I hide the gifts all over my home, and we don't wrap them, so they're like all over. And my husband somehow got me in the house in front of my kids, and I passed out. And he kept trying to get me up to say, we have to do Christmas, we have to get the, the, the gifts, and I just kept on saying, I'll do it later, or mumbling. And so um, he he's a saint. He went in every single hiding space that he could figure out and spent the whole night. He did not sleep so that he could save Christmas. And I woke up at 4.30 in the morning in a panic, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's Christmas. I didn't put it in. I, I love making it special for my kids. And uh, I walked out, and he was sitting on the couch with a cup of coffee and just looked at me, and he didn't have to say anything. And he had all the gifts out. And, of course, the first thing I didn't want to do is think, that, oh, I have a problem, right? I was like, I wanted to attack him to be like, you didn't set up the gifts right. That's not how I usually do it. And I was like, that's not how I usually do it right away. It was like, deflect, deflect. And um, he didn't actually say, I'm done, or this has to stop. I was really good at hiding it. I don't think even my husband knew how much I was drinking. Mm-hmm. I don't even think my friends knew how much I was drinking. Um, and so I just, that morning I felt miserable. My kids kind of were like, wow, I saw mom like really like last night. And so I just, I went outside and I sat there and I was like, it's time. It's time. I want to give myself the biggest Christmas present ever. And I've tried many times before that to um, quit, and I'd make ultimatums and with myself, like, if I don't drink through Monday and Thursday, I'll be okay. If right. only, like, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Or at one point, I was like, wine is what I have a problem with. I'll just drink tequila. <laughs> I seriously did that for a while, and that didn't work out super great. Like, I was always constantly making, like, stories up in my head, and, like, at the end of classes, I would sit in... Um, Shavasana, and I would just think, okay, tonight I'm not going to have a drink at 5 o'clock. I can do this. Mm-hmm. And then it would just like a constant cycle. Um, and so that morning I just woke up, and I'm like, I'm done. And I didn't even actually tell anyone. You didn't even tell your husband? I didn't even tell my husband because there's so many times that I would tell him, yeah. we're done, we're not doing this, I'm not doing this anymore. So I just didn't tell anyone. And I took it day by day, and, you know, I didn't go to AA. That wasn't, you know, and AA was always a huge part of my life growing up. My dad was in and out of AA, my brother, uh, all these, all this jam, like constant, you know, my mom's really big into Al-Anon. And what I decided to do was go back to the rooms where I knew in the beginning that maybe there was a possibility for me to find myself. And that was in the yoga studios, in the fitness studios. And then I also laced up my shoes and started running, which was crazy. It was like a Forrest Gump moment. (laughs) I put on my shoes and my husband, this is a couple months later, I'm like, I'm going for a run. And my husband's like, where? (laughs) I was like, he's like, are you coming back? And I'm like, yeah, because I started to just find like grace within nature. And so that, and, and, and I'll be this Christmas, it will be a year. Yeah. And, you know, I have found, like, yoga. I I fell back in love with my yoga practice. 
um, for sure. It became something so different. It became like, like, um, like someone might say in AA meeting, like it became my time to remember who I am Mm -hmm. and I'm still doing that. I'm still looking. And, um, yeah, so that's my self care. It's, you know, my, I would say my self care was that glass of wine. And, and I was living in that time where it's like, mommy deserves, like, um, like this is mommy's juice. Yeah, and it was yeah. like this constant thing, you deserve this, you deserve this, blah, blah, blah. And then my self-care came, turned into something that was completely numbing me from the work that needed, that needed to be done. So that's been my journey this year. And it's been, y'all, so dropped to your knees hard, but also so... I couldn't, I can't even, this year has been one of the most amazing years of my life. Hands down. Like things have come into my life that I didn't even ask for. Yeah. Like Sarah Frick coming into my life. Like I was like, I was like, Kate, you're going to teach here, right? She's like, I don't know. Like, no, no, I think it's a good thing. <laughs> you know, but it was once I started to like allow myself to feel that things started to evolve and happen. And it, every day is hard, but damn, it's worth it. It is so worth it. And I think the last thing I, like, you know, I did it for myself, but also a huge part of it was breaking an ancestral pattern. Mm. I, like, always saw my mom and dad with a drink in their hand. That was just life. And um, I look at these little, three little humans that I'm in charge of, and I want them to know that they don't need this to feel comfortable. Mm. Um, and kind of pave that way and break this pattern that of mental, you know, it comes from mental illness, but like of addiction in my family. Yeah. Thank you so much. That was beautiful, 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 and so real and true. And I think, you know, just some, just some questions like for our people that are listening to, like, was, did you ever have that conversation with your husband or was he just one day like, Hey, you're not drinking anymore? He was so, um... He he would distract. He's a man of like few words, <laughs> in a, in a good way. He's very observant, and the way he would say it was in a way of like he noticed that I was doing it, but he didn't want to put much focus on it because he knew that like, you know, it just he just was like, wow, I, I noticed that you're like super clear today, or right. <laughs> I noticed that you actually like helped out with this because a lot of times I was felt like I was like carrying so many balls and I was dropping them all over and then yeah. I was like screw it I'll just get drunk yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a better idea hold on hold on I have a better idea let's just get drunk yeah. and see how this goes yeah. and there was a lot of like little tidbits like um I would drink uh, you know and then my kids would tell me something at night and then the next morning they'd bring it up again and I'd be like oh tell me about that and they're like we did yeah, last yeah, night yeah. mom and I'd be like Oh, fuck. Yeah. Okay, okay. But it, over the time, you know, he never, and he never was like, is this forever? Right, right. I think he just knew I was day by day. And then little things came out. Like, he used to, I'd go out a lot, and he used to always text me at, like, 1130, are you okay? And um, I'd be like, oh, yes, I'm fine, yeah. you know? Because he was terrified either that something would happen or I'd get a DUI or something. And he never, ever shared that with me. Yeah. He just had it behind. And now when I go out, he doesn't text me anymore and I get pissed. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. I'm like, you haven't texted me. Yeah. It's 11. Well, I'm not out till 11 30 anymore. But um, he's like, I know you're going to be okay. Oh, that's awesome. And wow. so, um, yeah, 
he seriously was like this silent, almost supportive, amazing person, but he knew that I had to do it for myself. Like if I was like, I'm going to do this for Chad, or even if I'm going to do this for my kids, it wasn't going to work, you know? Like I read this one book, I forget the name of the lady, she's an anchor, she was a news, by the way, I've read like every sober memoir (laughs) in the last year that ever was, Um, but she said, I would do anything for my kids except get sober. Mm. And like until she started to like be like, that was like the one thing, I was like, I I will die for you. Yeah, 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 yes, yes. I would throw, but wait a second, I don't think I can do this. And so it has to be for you and yeah. I'm like remembering who I am. So, just other questions. I was just thinking of listening to you talk. So, like you say, like at five o'clock, like that was your non-negotiable. So, what it had? Did you replace that with something else? I'm just thinking of these, like yeah, running self. Okay, so five o'clock, you're like going. Five for a o'clock, run. I usually see me running over Folly um, uh, Bridge. Uh, I'm running. Okay, and I. Especially, like, I'll go run um, now, like, if there's something, like, I'm going to, like, things that were hard for me were, like, my first wedding. Mm-hmm. That was super hard. And then, I mean, something happened at my first wedding that was interesting. I think also in the wellness world, there's we're, there's all these buzzwords, self-care mm-hmm. being one. Mm-hmm. But there's a new one around that I think is amazing, but we have to be really careful with, and that's sober curious. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a great thing. Mm-hmm. That is happening. People are exploring this. So if you guys don't know about Sober Curious, Ruby Warrington wrote a book called Sober Curious. You want to explain it a little bit? I don't really, I honestly don't know that much. She came to town to speak and I right. did not go. Um, but I, from what I understand and correct me if I'm wrong is it's like maybe I can have a glass of wine here and there. And like I, don't, I go to a wedding and I have a glass of wine, but then I don't have a glass of wine for like three more months or something. Is this, am I following that right? Is that... Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's more like exploring what life is like without alcohol. Got it. Which I think is a really good thing to do. And I think it's amazing. I just think, like, if my dad ever came home and was like, I think I might, I'm sober curious. First, A, I would fall off my chair. Right. And be like, you're curious? Right. I can tell you, bud. And um, um, I... Someone asked me at the wedding, was like, oh, are you sober, sober curious um, as well? So am I. And I was like, I'm sober surviving yes. at this there, moment. Not, I'm not curious about it. Because I'm about to lose my mind yeah. because I want to go behind that bar right now and chug wine. So I, I think th- being careful because I think some people, it's if they don't stop drinking, they know that they might die. Yeah. Totally. And it's like there, this is like, I, I am like sober surviving right yes. now. And so I think just like being careful with our words, same with self care, mm-hmm. you know, like everyone's self care is a little bit different. Absolutely. You know, being like bubble bath and chocolate and you're like, shit, I don't even have a bathtub in my house totally. or like, I can't afford a chocolate bar right now. Or just knowing that our intention doesn't always equal our impact. I know the person that said that to me had all the great intentions in the world, but the impact of me was like, damn, I wish I was just curious. Right. Because How cute that you're curious. Yes. I'm over here eating my arm. I know, this is so hard <laughs> yeah. for me. Yeah. You know, and like going, and now like for another thing was like going to see music because music is a huge part of my self-care practice. Like uh, movement, music, other people, those are like my three things that I'm like, I have to move a good song sometimes can like really get me out of my head and like talking with other people like we mm-hmm. are. 
and um, music always associated alcohol with it. I was like, I'm going to go. But then I would never remember the show the next day, and it sucked. <laughs> and I was like, I think it was good. I danced a lot. My feet hurt. But now I've, like, found a space. I love going to see music sober. Um, that took a lot of work. And I sometimes go alone. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, the one, and I'm like, wow, okay. Can I feel comfortable in my own skin? Thank God I have this music, but I'm out and I'm dancing. Um, so... Yeah, I think just being careful with our words as well as uh, with this whole sober, sober curious movement. I think it's really important, and I think it's great that we're talking about it in the wellness world. Absolutely. But there's some people that are doing it because they know that they might lose everything if yeah. they don't. Yes, I agree. There's a difference. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Awesome. So, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so we're going to move on to Tiffany. Do you go by Tiff or Tiffany? Both. Okay, because Brian always calls you Tiff, and yeah. I'm like, can I call her Tiff? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, all right, Tiffany, go. Go, girl. So, uh, my name is Tiff Solari. I'm 39 years old. Um, there are so many points of your story that resonate with me. Like, 5 o'clock, that was my time. And as long as I was drinking after five o'clock, um, you know, I didn't have a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was raised by two alcoholics. My mom and my dad both had drinking problems and um, substance abuse as well. They were both addicted to cocaine at, at one point. And um, I remember my mom telling me that she almost killed herself in the bathtub because she was addicted to cocaine. She didn't know what to do. And the reason she didn't slit her wrists are because I knocked on the door and I was five years old. Mm. So she made me promise that I would never try that. And I never, never have, but I drank the shit out of some wine (laughs) (laughs) and rosé. That was like my jam. Pink bubbles. They always got me. Um, And you know, my husband would go to work. Um, we own Carmela's downtown. And as soon as he left and I had dinner out and the kids were eating dinner, it was five o'clock. I'm like, okay. I just felt like, like I just needed that one sip. And as soon as the wine touched my lips, I just felt like this sensation over my whole body. And um, I really think I am allergic to alcohol because it changes me Mm. as a person as soon as I have like two sips. Um, So I've, I will be sober four years Mm -hmm. on April 13th of 2020. And um, like the first, the first (coughs) 90 days I went to an AA meeting every day. Um, And the night that I, so the night that I decided and it was totally my decision um, that I needed to get sober in order to continue like living. Um, Brian came home from a night of bartending downtown, and the entire house was filled with smoke. And but two of my babies were upstairs sleeping, and he woke me up, and he, you know, set what up. Something was burning on the stove that I was cooking in a um, drunken stupor. And um, I don't really even remember. I barely remember him waking me up. Um, 
and I must have passed back out. And the next day he's like, you know, things really do need to change. Like, I'm afraid, I'm afraid for what's going to happen. And I just, something inside me, like, I just, I just knew. It's like, I can, like, I can, I cannot imagine drinking again, but I cannot imagine not drinking again. Mm -hmm. Like, it scared the shit out of me. Like, that was my, like, security blanket. And our first child was a very difficult child. Um, He would have four, five huge meltdowns, like, a day. So I would, like, gauge my nighttime drinking according to how many meltdowns Miles had. Like, oh, he had two big meltdowns. That's two glasses of wine. Mm-hmm. Five o'clock, two glasses of wine. I can have that. I, I deserve it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my that's my self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, and two glasses turned into a bottle, which turned into... Um, then I started hiding what I was drinking. I would buy box wine at the grocery store. And I thought I was being sneaky. And I would cut it out of the cardboard, take the bag... That's in box wine. It's Mm -hmm. actually bag. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I would hide them in my dresser drawers, in my clothes. And five o'clock turned into four o'clock, into three o'clock, into two o'clock. If I was stressed out, I'd go take a sip of wine from my goddamn drawers. And can I ask you a question? mm -hmm. Did you, when you did that... Did you feel, did you feel like shame around that? Or did you, know you just what? numb it out and just say, this is what I got to do to get through that? I just numbed it out. I just kept on going like a, like, and I thought that was going, to, I thought, I thought that's what I needed. I just needed to like numb out and then get my shit done yep. and just keep on going. Yep. Did you have like how Kate was saying, like negotiations with yourself? Like uh, today I won't do that. I will oh. not go to that drawer today or yeah, all the time. I'm like, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drink like a lady. I'm just gonna have one <laughs> glass of wine. Oh my god, <laughs> I cannot drink like a lady. <laughs> I'm jealous of those girls who can have just one glass of wine. I am not like that, um, and that's okay. Um, but when I decided to get sober, I went to 90 meetings in 90 days, and um, I just looked around at some of the people in the room, and. I thought I was going to see a bunch of like old fat men, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. wh- who were like chain smoking and just like, I just didn't, I didn't want to go. But as soon as I got there, I looked around at people and people were happy and smiling and they drove nice cars. And I was like, I want that. Like, I want what those people have. And they just kept telling me, come, I'm glad you're here. Keep on coming back. Keep. So I did. I kept on coming back. And, um, I just, I'm so thankful that I knew someone who is also a nurse who is sober. Um, I called her, I was like, I don't know what to do, but I know I can't drink cause I'll die mm-hmm. or I'm going to, something bad is going to happen. Um, so I did, I did. And I don't go to meetings anymore, but I do. Basically, I replaced going to meetings with going to yoga, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it literally like sets my soul on fire. And there is like, there's never been a yoga class that I've come to that is a bad yoga class. Like some, just like I'm crying and I'm melting down, and other classes, I'm like, all right, got a good sweat, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I Wednesdays are my only day off from yoga. Um, I have, it's, it's my, 
reprieve, Mm -hmm. like sweating and just pushing myself and breathing in a room full of people who I know are going through shit. Mm. We're all going through shit. We're Mm -hmm. all going through this together. It's just everyone's going through different shit. Right. Mm -hmm. Same. Like everyone has a fire. It's just different. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like same, same, but different. Yeah. Totally. Um, And now Brian's like, I got the boys. You go to yoga. You go, because he knows. Yeah. He knows it makes me um, the best version of me. Um, but yeah, that's that's basically my my story yeah. in a nutshell. Thank you so much. <laughs> that's a, that's I appreciate you sharing that because we've talked about this podcast for a while. You did so good. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> um, and you know, I think it's what you said about that, you know, you're able to find something in this room and you're able to find something in the, in we're, we're actually at the studio right now, guys, but in the works or at a studio, or if it's maybe your thing isn't going to an AA meeting, maybe your thing is, you know, something at church or something in a room. But what I'm hearing just from talking to you guys is, I don't know if the right, I don't want to say replace, but there has to be something that does it fill a void? I don't know if, is that the right or is it? I I think for me, I had to find, because I was using alcohol to numb. Okay. Like I just did not want to feel and I, I didn't want to think, you know, I was so overwhelmed, anxious, like I don't, you know, and so I had to replace it with something that made me feel. Same. And so if that's some days it's yoga some days it's running some days it's like sitting and just listening to a whole album from first to the, to the, yeah. uh, the end of it and just like just and sitting with that feeling because that's the hardest part I think for me because sometimes feelings are great and you're just like oh I feel so good blah 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 but then like not not always no you know, yes. and it's not always, and that's also a thing with the the self care world. That's hard because it's always like, oh, they make it so flowery. Yeah, I think that's why I hate it. It's not flowery. <laughs> it's hard, like sitting with like fear and worry and self doubt and shame. Shame, mm-hmm. like, was one of the biggest ones. I had so much shame around it, mm-hmm. and you know, so shame will eat you alive. And it wasn't until like, I mean, even today I can feel myself healing Mm -hmm. just by telling the story because I'm letting it out of my body Mm -hmm. and I'm not holding those, that shame inside. Totally. And I, I just from a different level, but just, I, I find like things that I go through if I actually, and I feel like the longer and the more that I do this work, the more I'm like, Oh, there's that feeling. Okay. So you just have, it's okay. It's not a great feeling, but you got to get through it because that's the only way out is through. And things just, for me, I know will keep perpetuating themselves. If I don't, like if I try to like turn a fast right and like avoid it, I, you got to go through it. And so for me, that's been a huge part of my self-care is writing, um, moving, breathing, community of people. Mm-hmm. And um, I just... Like I think Kate just said, it's just the, the whole aspect of it being like super flowery or or you have to do this or you have to buy this or you have to target this. That's not that's not what it is. I, I put this out, like I said, on um on in on the gram yesterday and I got so many responses. And one thing that I kept hearing over and over again is people saying that their boundaries were their self-care. Mm-hmm. And I love that. That's Absolutely. A, that's something that I've learned in the last year because I also 
like you said, community, my community, some relationships in my life had to end. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And that is so hard. And I loved it. And that reading that you wrote, because sometimes that's self-care. I know. And oh my, it's like tears me apart because I'm a people person. I'm a people pleaser, you know? And I had to change some of the people I was hanging out with. Uh-huh. And a lot of people like get, you know, I just knew I had to create boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And we know the boundary crossers are the ones that don't like your boundaries. No. <laughs> They're like, exactly. get, get rid of those boundaries. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And um, because you spoke to this, um, are, are you, do you have a relationship still with your parents? Um, yeah. And are they supportive? Are they supportive of your sobriety? And It's like my dad doesn't want to believe, like he doesn't think like I was ever a drunk because I hid it. Mm-hmm. And my husband is, it just is so, so, he was always so supportive and like even the nights that I weren't, I wasn't blackout, Mm -hmm. he would, that I remember, he would never like say anything. Mm -hmm. He would just be quiet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he wouldn't say anything the next, the next day or the next day it would just come up and he would say like, like when you drink, it makes me feel like this. Mm. Like I'm, you know, he was just, so my dad didn't really know. Right. To the extent. Um, um, and he doesn't really drink like he used to. Um, he's tamed his drinking. My mom, on the other hand, uh, she drinks every night, every night until she's like in a stupor. Mm-hmm. I had to make a boundary and I had to tell her not to call me past six 30 at yeah. night. Yeah. Um, and if she does call, I just, I, I can't answer. Yeah. Um, but she's, I have, she probably pushes my buttons like no one else. And I love her so much. Um, but if I don't set clear boundaries, it's, it's our relationship is toxic. Yeah. Definitely. Like she, she lived with us for a year and a half. And while you were sober? No, while I was drinking. Uh-huh. Um, and it was, it was awful. Yeah. Like, th- I got a glimpse into how much she was drinking mm. also. Mm-hmm. And growing up, I always like looked at my mom and dad. I'm like, they drink way too much. I'll never do that. Mm-hmm. Never. You know? And it just, I don't know. And Charleston is like such a drinking town. Oh, my friend yes. comes in. My friend, you got Busy Phillips, my friend from LA who goes to a lot of parties. That's why I'm just saying her name because yeah. she's in this industry where it's constantly entertainment. And they come and they spend some time in here in the summer. And she's like... She came over Christmas and she was like, I have never been to any town where people drink like this. She Mm -hmm. was like, she's like, people just take shots at lunch, like, because it's a party town and it's like a vacation town. And a lot of people, when you come here, you know, when I first moved here, John was working on fishing boats and I mean, I was doing this, but I was also had like a hundred jobs and it was just like one big party. And Mm -hmm. then if it, you know, you don't realize it until like you're older with your kids, but if you don't like make that segue and make that change, of course, one day leads into the next, just like anything else, you know? And I think Charleston definitely serves a population of party, for sure. It's so. just so ex- it's accepted. Are you from Charleston? No, I'm from New York originally. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's big. Like I sometimes will be like, all right, Chad, let's make a list of all the things that we can do in this town that doesn't involve alcohol. <laughs> yeah. <It's> like, <laughs> go for, put your go shoes to the beach. On I'm like, no, everyone has coolers at the beach. <laughs> yeah. That's not happening. <laughs> I'm like, but you know, just like finding those things that you can do. But also, I found like, can I go into those spaces? And, you know, meet other friends that are and like be comfortable in my own skin. And that's scary 
for, for at first it was like, oh my gosh, okay, can I be? Because I, usually I get a drink and I'd be like, okay, I feel comfortable. And then yeah. I get another drink, I'm like, feel real comfortable. Mm-hmm. And then five drinks in, I'm like, oh shit, I have to call someone the next day because I'm be like, what did I do? Yeah. <laughs> um, but like you know, like feeling comfortable. What am I so afraid of? Yeah. When I go into those spaces, like someone, and I ask myself that a lot. I'm like, what are you so afraid of, Kate? Are they, are you afraid of them like seeing who you really are? Mm -hmm. But then I would have that conversation. I'm like, who are you? And you have to like stand in that space. Yeah. And it's scary sometimes. Yeah. Well, I love what you said in class on Monday about living in your 30%. Yeah. So for those of you that don't practice with us, we speak like when we're doing cardio and stuff, we um, work to tempo sometimes. So like you get up to 70%, then you get up to 80 and then 90, 100, blah, blah. And Kate was saying in class that like she's lived, she lived her life in 70. Well, you say it. You say it better. Well, no, <laughs> I mean, here. I lived a lot of my life in 70%. <laughs> Like I was going 70%. I was making to five o'clock, you know, that 70%. And then I just, it was like almost you would get to that breaking point where you were going to like really show the world who you are, like all of it. Cause it's not, like I said, all butterfly. there's a lot in there and you're like, nope, stopping right there. Like, I'm not going to stop. I mean, I'm going to stop right there. And like. We need to show the world our extra 30%. What do you think we're so scared of? Like, I, I asked that myself the same thing. You know, I mean, I get like, like you, because we do have a platform that we get to go in these rooms. And I, I've referenced this before, but there's this Florence Welch song that I think she wrote when she got sober. And it, um, it talks about her being on stage and how it's the best drug of her life. And because we, it's almost, you know, sorry guys to like pull the curtain back, but it's almost as an instructor, when you go into these rooms and there's 50, 60 people, you're playing a role too. I mean, yes. Mm -hmm. Do I fucking believe in this work? A hundred percent. Have you come to be provided with something? Absolutely. So I'm going to show up for you no matter what, Mm -hmm. even if I have like something else going on. But when you pull those 50, 60 people that are in awe of you away, then I hear it's like, what, but what is that? Like, is it that we're trying to say, we want people to think that we have it all together because I don't know. Is it? I don't know. I mean, or is it just uncomfortable to be uncomfortable? I think it's different for everyone. Maybe I think for me, it's like they're not going to like me. Yeah, yeah. If I show them my I'm whole thirty percent being uncomfortable. That's my thing. I don't I'm, want. I think you want. I, I'm a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. It's my best and my worst quality. I'm very much a people. And I'm pleaser. like, well, if you. I remember after we lost Grace because that's my, you know, my big thing that I can relate it to. It's like, I remember John and I were. We spent our whole summer on the boat because I couldn't. We sold her. I could not be in a place where there was walls. I had to be outside. And we walked up, and this man was there. And we had John had done a renovation on his house a long time ago, and we knew him, and he was like oh, you had your baby, because I obviously wasn't pregnant, and I was just so new, and, you know, and I was like, mm, no, John was uh. like, unfortunately, she died, and it made him uncomfortable, and he was like, you'll have another one, and I just remember being like, at first of all, I was like, I fucking hate you, because don't, you know, like, don't take this away, but at the same time, I wanted the conversation to go fast, because I knew he was uncomfortable, Right. and then I go back to this thing, and I know I'm kind of jumping around, but it's like, mm. other people, like, I, you know, it's, a, it's like learning how to just be with and just be with. Like, okay, you're uncomfortable. Guess what? You think you're uncomfortable? My baby died. I'm real fucking uncomfortable. I'm sober at a wedding for the first time. I'm uncomfortable mm-hmm. too. So why don't we do this together and create this human, human you know, experience? And I don't know. Maybe I'm no, putting it out there yeah, so I actually I will do it. That <laughs> wobble, like I call it in, like in class, like the wobble. Like we're in like... A yoga pose and we're trying to make it look this certain way and you're like 
uh, don't wobble. <laughs> or I know if I just stay in this one place, I'm going to be as comfortable as possible. Like I'll even like change my eye gaze and don't make me wobble and be like, go back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, because I'm like, don't wobble because if, you wobble, the person next is going to see your wobble. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and it just started in, in the last year that's really like broken up to me. And I'm like, no, please, please show me your wobble. Show me your wobble. Show me your wobble. Because I'm like wobbling. Yeah. And the funny thing with drinking for me is a lot of people I found in the last year, when I tell them I don't drink, sometimes they get super uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I have to be like, this isn't about me. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like. You know, and in, in order to like, they'd be like, what do you mean you're not drinking? Or yeah. like, so just have a drink. Like, yeah. And I've had some people be like, who I like hung out through like college and stuff. And like, how long are you going to do this for? Right. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I haven't really. Right now, I mean, I, I, my, one thing that I say a lot to myself is, how's that working for you? And I'm like, right now it's working really good. Yeah. So I'm going to keep doing this, you know, but I think that uncomfortable, like he felt uncomfortable. That was about him. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like, but how do we... It's those interactions. I know. It is. It is. And it's and it's it's just as much a learning for me or you or you as it is, I think, for these other people. And you know, I think too, like as we live these lives, like it's such a big picture thing. Like you were put in my life for a reason, you were put in my life for a reason, Lindsay was put in my life for a reason. And we're all part of each other's experiences. And when we can start to I know for me, when I can like kind of step out of my own way just for a moment and I can look and say, me, I'm like this part, this other person, like Kate is living her whole life and I'm just like part of her story, right? Like I'm not her whole story. Her quitting drinking has nothing to do with like my choice. You know what I mean? And it's like, we, it does create this collective. And I know for me, it's like, all right, well, cool. Well, if I'm going to like level myself up, that might like elevate someone else to come up here with me. And not that I'm sitting on my pedestal and I'm looking down going shame on you down there, but it's like, Hey, I'm up here. Let's, let's meet up here. Yeah. Right. Um, so that and share always, your story and share your story. I that's think that's always the yeah. biggest thing. Like we all, I mean, I'm not the only woman who's ever gone through this. Right. You <laughs> know, no. like, and if my story can help someone else who could possibly be going through it, then hell yeah. Yeah. You Tell know? it. I, share your wobble. I mean, that's why I had so many. I mean, seriously, at one point, y'all, I had like 15 memoirs. On the, <laughs> my husband's like, if another Amazon self-help sober book arrives at this home, I'm like, stop it. Some people buy <laughs> shoes. Right now I'm buying these. Yeah. And I would just eat them up because mm -hmm. I wanted to hear that other people made it. Yeah. Or I just wanted to like hear the story and be like, okay, I'm not alone. Yes. To absolutely. And that is what this whole thing is. And I, I just, I could not agree more. And I think that in, um, in itself is self-care, you know, the, the idea behind caring for yourself through loving others as well. And, but having the boundaries. Um, so one of the, like, I, I was speaking to my class this morning about like the demographic of self-care. So like I said, self-care is a billion dollar industry, just like what we've done with yoga and fitness and all these things, which are not bad things, but it's targeted at our demographic, right? Women, like women, women are the consumer. So who's going to eat this stuff up? Who wants to be thinner? Women. Who wants to be prettier? Women. Who wants to look like a certain way or have someone believe that they're that way? I. It's women. Mm -hmm. And I think as well, or from my experience, is that it's easier just to like, like numb, like with the alcohol or whatever our thing is, whether it's food, sex, drugs, whatever. Numb, numb, numb. So self-care, 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 self-care. Like try all these different things, but don't get to the source of it. Mm -hmm. And then what the thing is, if you're not getting to the source of it, you're going to fucking buy more. 
Mm-hmm. Because, well, that didn't work. Shit, I got to get more. One glass isn't working anymore. I need three glasses or, you know, whatever it is. And for me, I find that they're really targeting us in everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> I sound really conspiracy theory. But if you ever open up your Instagram, I'm like, how did they know? How did they know <laughs> I I needed those pills to help me go to the bathroom? How did they know I needed that sweater? <laughs> yeah, you know, right. like, they're listening. But, I mean, what is y'all's take on that? And also just to speak to that as well, like, are you more aware now of how they sell alcohol to women? I think, I mean, we didn't even touch upon this at all, but like, yes, alcohol to women. Um, and also like alcohol in the wellness, um, mm-hmm. community. I mean, before I never really thought anything of it. Um, but now I, I'm very, and I'm not saying, I'm not judging because some people are like, yeah, come do yoga and then you get like a free pint after. Or come do yoga and you get rosé. Or, you know, c- bringing these two things together. And it's kind of strange for me now because one of them is helping me heal. Mm. And one of them I'm trying so hard to just, you know, not do. Yeah. yeah. And of course, that's my own choice to be like, that's not for me. You know, totally. it's just not for me. How's that working for you? Well, that doesn't work for me. But it's interesting to me that we in the wellness we're like, you need this to feel better, feel better, because you feel shitty about yourself. And then once they have some alcohol, and alcohol is a known depressant. Mm-hmm. So it's just interesting to me how, because it's not like, oh, let's do some yoga and then do some drugs. <laughs> <laughs> a few down dogs, a few lines of cocaine. But it's like so accepted. So accepted, It's yes. so accepted in like those conversations in the wellness world, I think are so people are just don't want to touch it. Mm-hmm. They're like, I don't want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. You know, alcohol is just a part of life. And it's like, but actually more people die from alcohol than any other drug. Mm-hmm. You know, I lost my father to alcohol and it's just, but we don't want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Of course, we're going to talk about, you know, don't eat gluten, right. you know, stay away from sugar. <laughs> what else you. we got on there? Eat your kale, do yeah. this, and then make sure, you know, but wine's okay. Yeah. You're, you're okay. You can have beer. And I think, no, everything in moderation, you know, the whole story. But it's made me really look at that as well in the wellness community of how we are manipulating women to be like, okay. Mm-hmm. You need this to feel better about yourself. And like all those things you said, Sarah, like I feel like they're just band-aids we put on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Not to get to the source. Right. Exactly. Because yeah. getting into the source is <sighs> Yeah. It's yeah. scary. It's scary. <laughs> the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. Yeah, and it'll bring For you real. to your knees. Kidding. <laughs> and you're like, oh yeah. my gosh, you know. But it's yeah. so freeing. It is so freeing. But I mean, it's work. I, I'm not saying that it's easy, but I do I, I have found and I, and I like backtrack. I mean, I, you know, I go forward and I come back and I'm constantly in this negotiation with myself as well. And I mean, it's freeing in the fact that I don't, I, re, I read this, well, I read several of her books, but uh, a line that Glennon Doyle said oh, yeah. um, about her, she was, and I'll paraphrase, but she was, her dad was like, are you going to, do you really think you should share everything? And she was like, it's so much less to keep track of when I'm telling the truth. Yeah. Why would I not want to make women feel better about themselves than feel like I'm being better than them? Right. So it's like, I, I just think if, if we can, if we can have these conversations with the three of us who are like, you know, we know each other basically through the studio and, and we're able to sit and like look each other in the eye and like have these conversations. We can do this in other places. And 
that this conversation for me is a lot more self-caring than putting needles in my forehead or getting a facial or doing anything like that, that I have to pay a million dollars for, you know what I mean? Amen. Yeah. So, um, I guess I really just, that for me was, I just wanted to shed some light on different things. We're going to be bringing in a few different groups of people to talk about, to tell their stories and to talk about their self-care there. And none of them are going to be, I'd say truly easy stories. I was, um, with my girlfriend yesterday, my friend Jen, who is has one more chemo treatment, and she's such a love. And she, uh, we were, she's someone who I want to bring in. And she was like, Sarah, this shit is ugly. I was like, bring it, girl. Mm-hmm. She's like, I have to wake up before my kids and sit on my bathroom floor and cry and yeah. get all my shit together and get out there and do it. She's like, that's my self care some days. And I'm like, yeah, that yeah. sounds like that sounds like some pretty damn good self care. Mm-hmm. So, um, but before we leave, um, I just want to read this 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 little email. It's not little; it's shorter. An email that I got from Amy Leland, who is part of our community, who I love as well. Um, and she said, "Hey, Sarah, thank you for shedding light on this topic and reaching out to some of us in sobriety. Self care for me has definitely taken on a new meaning since getting sober a little over a thousand days ago." Self-care used to be self-sabotage. I'd quote-unquote reward myself at the end of the day with several drinks and then sweat it all out the next day. That was my self-care practice. I believe that since the outside looked healthy, it didn't matter what, was, what I was putting my insides through. Now self-care takes on a whole new meaning. It's a daily reprieve. It's meditation to connect with my God spiritually, movement to connect to my body physically, and meetings to connect with others. Self-care is also daily gratitude and daily forgiveness. So I thought that, that that was a really beautiful testament of her story. And it reminds me so much of what you guys have been saying, too. So is there anything else you guys want to share before we... Some days my self-care is like a pee bath with my 17-month-old. Yeah. That like yeah. Little, that's my self-care. Yeah, yeah. I a, love it. A warm pee bath. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> it's just what it is. Yeah. I guess my last thing is you're not alone. I felt alone for a really long time, and you're not. Just know that. Yeah, I love that. Being and that a, is community for sure. I feel like being a mom can be so isolating. Like you're, 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 you feel safe in your house. Like the kids are, you know, they can't escape. They, mm-hmm. <laughs> they can't run away. Um, but it is. It can be so isolating if you don't have like a friend to reach out to, to talk to. And it's just so easy to get into a routine of numbing at the Mm -hmm. end of the day Mm -hmm. like and that mentality that I deserve champagne or wine it just it took me into like a downward spiral Mm -hmm. yeah and I feel like like women too like I, I think of my grandmother she raised five girls and she would like whip up like a dinner like dinner every night for them like it was nothing like, and I can't imagine taking care of five little people Mm-mm. and she never complained, Mm-mm. like never. Um, and it's like, so I don't know. Part of me thinks like, oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm rambling, but no, no, you're not. Fine. I mean, do you feel like it's like part of the culture is like telling us that we, it's like we're revolting, like you're rebelling, yeah. you know, now it's like, we, we deserve this. You know, well, and it's also sales buy the damn too. shirt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and and I think to speak to what we, what I was saying earlier about women, like why is it targeted at women? It's because we're consumers. Like alcohol yeah. costs money. Yeah, Freaking, 
you know, and you see a lot of ads with women with a glass of wine in their hand looking glamorous and having fun with their friends. They're thin, their skin looks good, their hair looks good, their teeth look good. And you're mm-hmm. like, I want to be her. Yeah. She looks very relaxed. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and here I am like, but you never the know. There might out. be a storm going on inside. <laughs> exactly. That's usually how it is. So that's what we're doing right now is we're pulling the, pulling that veil off. Yeah. You know, and. I don't know when I when I teach. I'm always lately. I've been saying, "Welcome to my happy hour." Yeah, I heard <laughs> I you say it the other day. Because I'm I like, this it. is like it used to be like a drink, and now I'm like, I'm in a room. It's those three things. Yeah, I keep going back to those three things lately: is movement, music, and other people. Yeah, I don't. I really, in the last year, do not know where I would be without those three things. Yeah, those are your care. Yeah, You're caring for yourself, self survival. Yeah. yeah, yep. Um, well, thank you guys. Thank you. Really, thank you you so much. You don't know how much this is going to help people, truly. Every time we put something out like this that is actually real with Mm -hmm. real people in our community, first of all, it gets the most engagement, and it also um, helps a lot of people, truly. So thank you. That was our second part of our three-part series on self-care. Those women are extremely brave and just amazing to me for sharing their stories. I can't think of a better way to care for yourself than to deep dive in and to get sober for yourself, first and foremost, and also as they spoke to their children, their families, their friends, their work. Um, So you guys know if you ever have any questions about that, you can always reach out to me and both of them are super open about connection, so I'm sure they would connect with you on that as well. Today's episode is brought to you by The New Primal. One of my favorite things about The New Primal is their dipping sauces, salad dressings, and anything that I can marinate meat in. So I love their sriracha tahini dressing. It's a cooking sauce as well. It's a totally different take with a delicious blend of spicy sriracha and sesame smoothness to give dishes a kick of flavor. It also contains extra virgin olive oil, organic coconut nectar, vinegar, and lemon juice with no added sugar. Everything that they make is Whole30 approved. You can get 20% off any of their products on their website with my code, THEWORKS. Thank you guys, as always, 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 always for listening, sharing this podcast with your friends, with your family, with everybody. We will see you soon. So make sure to go rate us so we can stay in the game. Bye.